We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at downtown Westside Monterey. We love you guys. We're just so glad we get to do church together. And if you're new to this whole thing, uh, I again, I'm Pastor Peter Haas, and we're just a we're we're just a family that loves to explore the scriptures together. We just believe that God wants to take all of our lives to a new level. And if you're new to this whole thing, just come be a part of our family today. And today's gonna be extra fun because the topic I wanna share about today has the potential of really filling your lives with more joy and more mission than you've ever had before. I really do believe that God wants to just make you feel alive to his call. And, and so many people don't feel that. And I... That makes me sad, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to kind of get that mission back surging in your heart so that you can live a life uh, that's meaningful and that is, that is profound and impacting on those around you. And, and to do this, though, we're just gonna jump right into a scripture that I think is gonna speak a lot to you out of Philemon uh, chapter one, verse six. Now, technically, there's only one chapter in Philemon, so if you ever wanna be like, hey, I wanna read, I'm gonna read an entire book of the Bible in one sitting, Just go to Philemon, because it's one chapter. And you'll feel accomplishment, okay? No, but seriously, Paul is praying, and he says, I pray that you would be active in what? Sharing your faith. Why? Why is Paul praying that he would be active in sharing his faith? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So why is sharing our faith important? Because it's actually what gives us a full understanding. You cannot have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ unless you're active in sharing your faith. It's impossible. If you, if you don't share your faith, you'll always lack an understanding of the good things, okay? Good things. Ultimately, God wants to give you good things. You're, you're an heir to good things. You're actually wealthier than you think. If you're a Christian, you're wealthier relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That You're an heir to good things, but you will not understand what those good things are until you share your faith. Well, and some people, they're like, well, wait a second. I don't understand how that works. Yeah, I get it. It's one of the great paradoxes of discipleship is that in order to be a good disciple, you have to be an evangelist. You have to learn how to share your faith. If you wanna become mature, it can only happen by sharing your faith. I I just, many of you know over the years I've had an opportunity to be discipled by um, uh, a man by the name of John Maxwell. Maybe maybe you know him from his leadership books. Well, believe it or not, he's actually a very passionate Christian and almost every time I'm around John Maxwell, he always says the same scripture over and over and over again and it's Proverbs 11.30 and it's really interesting because he says, he who wins souls is wise. He who, if you wanna be wise, how do you get there? You gotta win souls. That means you gotta be out there, there's a natural persuasion and he says, you don't get wise on the front end, you get wise on the back end. When you share your faith, what happens? People will say, yeah, well, what about this, and what about that, and what about this? And then you're like, I don't know. 
Uh, let's figure it out together. And then you have to study the Bible. Actually, sharing your faith forces you deeper into Scripture, and then you're wise on the back end. Not because you knew all the answers before you started sharing your faith, but after sharing your faith, it drove you to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I didn't really even learn until somebody actually was like, I don't know, I struggle with this. And they'd be like, okay, well, let's figure it out together. You see, you're wise on the back end. We learn by sharing. You see, and, and, and again, if the idea of winning souls kind of freaks you out a little bit on the inside, it might be because you have some weird ideas as to how this looks like. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, a lot of people think that sharing their faith means like awkward street evangelism, or some people think it means like putting Christian bumper stickers on your car, but based on how some of you drive, you should not be putting anything on your car that is Christian. I'm just letting you know you are ruining the name of Christ, and you know who you are. You're cutting people off. You're speeding every single day. People are always asking me, why don't we have bumper stickers that say Substance Church? Because I know all y'all. That would wreck us. That would shrink our church. I'm just saying, you know, some of you should not have bumper stickers on your cars. Uh, no, I think we all know weird Christians who share their faith in really odd ways, and and so the moment I, I talk about sharing faith, some people get nervous. Um, but listen, nervousness generally only happens a lot of times when you're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's actually the Holy Spirit saying, hello, time out. Okay, ultimately, God actually designed truth to always be shared in the context of loving community. And it's when we, we start sharing truth outside of that context of loving community that we start getting nervous. Well, I wonder why. It's because love is what sets us apart, John 13, 34, and 35. Come on, Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, the evidence of Christ, the truth of Christ actually is meant to be delivered in loving community, not outside of it, which is why, let's be honest, social media doesn't really influence a whole lot of people. I just heard a study that, that was actually saying that the vast majority of people who think they're using their social media to influence other people, it's not actually having the impact they imagine. It's just creating a little echo chamber of people unfollow you. You know why? Because people don't want to, there's a million truth claims. Come on, advertising. All it is is your life would be better if you bought this. We hear like 30,000 advertisements a day, I think now, is, is how many messages we're exposed to. The average person is so cynical towards messages. We're not listening to, to hardly any of it unless it's someone close to us that we already have trust and love with, okay? Is that making sense, everybody? So, so I, I believe truth is ultimately meant to be couched in loving community, which is why Jesus said, uh, he didn't just say go and make church services for all nations. He said go and make disciples. It was a, a personal thing. It was a relational thing. And I believe that ultimately when you understand how evangelism works, you'll realize, oh, it's a relational thing. And, and, and it's actually quite easy once you understand it. For example, okay, uh, many of you guys know that my wife and I went to the University of Minnesota back in the day. I got a super, super practical degree in Hebrew. <laughs> Some people, they spend, they get deep in debt so they can have a functional job that actually makes money, but others of us, we learn to say shalom. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, well, you know. Okay, so I, I, to be honest, I don't regret going there because actually the, the most valuable thing I learned at the University of Minnesota was not my degree. It was learning how to share my faith on a daily basis because so many people there lacked 
faith. And you know what was, what was interesting about it is I realized when it came to sharing my faith, I did not have to do anything weird at all, okay? I didn't have to wear weird Christian t-shirts. I didn't just have to shout things, to, you know, from my car. I didn't have to put Christian bumper stickers all over my stuff. I, all I had to do was not hide it. What does that mean? What are you doing this weekend, Peter? I'm going to church. <laughs> that's all I had to do was tell the truth. I didn't, I, that, like, is that a Bible you're carrying? Yup. <laughs> that was it. That's all I had to say is the truth. I didn't have to, all I had to do was not Hide it, okay? I didn't even have to walk up to strangers. In fact, 90% of the time, you wanna know how I shared my faith? Was whenever a, a, a friend was having a rough day, all I'd do is offer to pray for them. I wouldn't even pray for them necessarily on the spot. I'd just say, hey, I, I, don't, I, I don't want this to come off weird, but hey, if you wouldn't mind, I, I, would it be okay if I just prayed for you later? I just believe that God wants to help us live life to the fullest, John 10, 10. Um, and I don't even need to pray for you now. I don't even want to make you feel uncomfortable. Would you be cool with that? Nine out of ten times they'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd actually really love that. Like, talk to me more about your faith. Like, what do you mean? Or, you know, I, like over all of my years of offering to pray for people, I've never had a person turn me down except once, okay? Uh, one time I had a person say, I prefer that you wouldn't pray for me. And guess what? I prayed triple for that person. <laughs> Don't tell a feisty Christian to not pray for you. They're gonna call the entire prayer army to pray for you. My goodness, what do you, I mean, come on, that's like giving my wife $200 and say, don't go shopping. Come on, she'll have a new outfit from anthropology in five minutes. So my point is though, like ultimately, all you have to do is not hide it. Just, just offer to pray for people, offer to serve people. It's not, it's not that complicated. I just, a while back, I got to hear the testimony of an evangelist by the name of Sanji Adanga. He's an evangelist who works for an organization called Every Home for Christ. And uh, he lives in North Africa, and I'm not gonna say specifically where because, um, you know, he oftentimes finds himself at risk. It's a, a place, the place where he lives in this particular area, it's very, very common for Christians to die for their faith, to be martyred even to this day. And, and uh, he happened to be in a particular city handing out Bible literature, which took a lot of risk, and he knew that. And sure enough, as he was handing out Bible literature, a, a, an angry Muslim man in his mid-20s came up to him, grabbed all the stuff out of his hand, and just started shredding it, ripping it up, stomped on the ground, and said, if I ever see you anywhere passing out this crap, I am going to kill you. Do you understand? I will kill you if I see you again. Get out of here. And, and so Sanji obviously was afraid for his life, ran off, um, went home. You know, adrenaline was like kicking and, and you know, like, God, you know, like, this is so hard. And, and um, anyway, went to sleep. Well, all of a sudden, the next morning, he woke up to just a violent knock on his door, just this really loud pounding, and it kind of freaked him out. He looked out the window, and oh my gosh, it was that very same man. He now knows where I live. He's thinking, he's freaking out. He's thinking, how, like, you know, like, this is, this is dangerous, and yet all of a sudden, the peace of God came all over him. He just felt the Holy Spirit just impress upon him, hey, something has changed. Open the door, open the door, open the door. And he's thinking, this is crazy. What am I doing? I'm opening the door. And he opens the door, and he's thinking, and he basically just said, what are you doing here? Like, how did you find where I live? And the Muslim man said, uh, yeah, about yesterday, I, 
I, I'm sorry about that. Actually, my name is Abdullah Masa, and I, I know this is going to sound strange, but I need the message that was on your literature, the stuff that I ripped up yesterday. I, I, I know I threatened you. I actually need it today. And of course, Sanji is like, what happened? Like, what do you, why? And, and he goes, well, last night while I was sleeping, someone came into my house, grabbed me by my shoulders, and violently shook me awake. And I jumped up in complete fear, and I started, you know, swinging my fists into the darkness, and I couldn't land a single punch, and so I immediately ran over to the light switch, turned it on, and no one was there. No one was there, and I stood there just shaking in the corner, like, what just happened? Like, what was that? Was that like a nightmare? And I, I finally started to relax, and I lit up a cigarette, and, and suddenly, the moment I started smoking, the, the loud voice filled my entire room and just shouted, you have torn the truth. You have torn the truth. The message you were given was God's truth that pointed to eternal life and it told of the only way of lasting peace and happiness, and yet you have torn it up. And then the voice gave me your address and told me to come immediately at sunrise. So here I am. And of course, after a long, awkward pause, Sanji was like, uh, okay, uh, well, let me, let me grab some of those things for you and, and shared with them the gospel. And, and sure enough, led him to Christ, and, and, and Abdullah Masa ended up giving, not only giving his life to Christ, but ended up going to Bible school, and he's now uh, a home-to-home -home evangelist working for that same organization as Sanji. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Now, I, I share that story because, I, I share that story because we serve a God who loves to reveal himself. I really do believe that he loves to reveal himself, and he says that time and time again in James 4, 8, John 14, 21. He says it over and over and over again. God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to reveal himself. It's the same reason why, I, I mean, I gave my life to Christ in the nightclub after praying. You know, God, what, whoever you are, whatever you are, reveal yourself to me. And then 30 seconds later, a guy shares Christ with me, okay? So I am, I am kind of a similar story as, as this, okay? I believe that there is a God and that he does wanna reveal himself to us, but, it, it, and I share that because if that's true, then evangelism should not be that difficult. The burden is not really on us, it's, it's, it's God, and God loves carrying that burden. He loves to reveal himself. I, I believe if somebody's even remotely open to God, he'll kick open the door and, and give them interesting insights. And I, I just say, the, only, the reason why I share that is because the only reason why evangelism should feel difficult is if we make it difficult. I think a lot of people falsely think that they need to be a Bible scholar before they start sharing their faith. Not at all. I think a lot of people think that their job is to actually convert people to Christ. No, that's not your job. Your job is not to convert people. Your job is to share Christ. Conversion is up to Christ, and sometimes people need like a dozen experiences with, with Christians, good ones, before they actually have their God decision. It's not really, we, we, you don't have to worry about that moment where they cross over into faith. Your job is just to be another point nudging them closer. Are you hearing me? It's really that simple, and so allow me to give you a much simpler way of doing evangelism. First off, here at Substance, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do is just make it simpler for you to, exp 
just invite your friends to church and to share your faith. And we obviously have a lot of things programmatically that do that. For example, like in two weeks, we're starting our Alpha course here at Northtown and at our downtown Minneapolis campus, which is basically just, hey, share a meal and share your doubts and your tough questions. In other words, we welcome doubters. We welcome skepticism. In fact, actually, the parts of scripture that messed with you most are the the parts that you should read the most. Why? Because I believe that's where God wants to speak to us to mo- the most. Run to your doubts, not from your doubts here. That's why we, we, we like people to explore their skepticism. I believe that there's great intellectual answers for all of the tough questions that people have. And so we're always doing things like Alpha just to make it easier for you to invite your friends. Maybe not even for you, but for you to invite your friend. Or, or I mean, heck, I mean, even the, the very name of our church, it's not named this for Christians. Christians think it's weird. Well, that's the whole point is we're doing a church for people that are scared of church or maybe don't like church. So they think, what is substance? Well, let me show you. It's almost easier for me to show you. It's different, okay? It's, it's a church community, but it's not what you think. We, we try to make it different or even, you know, beyond that, I, I always tell people, you'll never understand why we do what we do here unless you regularly invite your unchurched neighbor. You'll never understand why we do what we do here unless you regularly invite your unchurched neighbor. From the music to the announcements, I tell people it's not about you and you should be glad. And here's why. Because God blesses outward-focused churches way more than inward-focused churches. And how do I know that? Because John 15, Luke 15, actually says over and over again, Jesus said it three different times, heaven rejoices over one sinner repenting versus 99 righteous people shouting his praise at the top of their lungs. What makes heaven rejoice? What makes heaven have a party? It's, it's the lost. It's, it's Jesus saying it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the hurting. It's, if church is not a hospital for the hurting, then ultimately we're out of sync with heaven. You want to get in sync with heaven's provisions? Get in sync with heaven's priorities. It's that simple. And I want you to be blessed. Therefore, I want you to be good at sharing your faith and be a part of an outward church that is not about us for and no more, us about our consumerism, the music here isn't about you, the volume isn't about you, the lighting isn't about you, the foyer isn't about you. If you're a Christian, you're, you're a mature person. I don't need to be spoon feeding you every single week like airplane, you know what I'm saying? That's not so cute when you're an adult, when you're an adult being fed by an airplane spoon. You know what I'm talking about. And yet that's how a lot of, a lot of long-term Christians, they get so self-centered, consumeristic. God doesn't bless that, and, and I want you to be blessed, right? So that's why we're an outward-focused church. That's why we do Mana Market and feed thousands of people every single week. That's why we do Alpha. That's why we do all sorts of things. That's why we do Tailgate Sunday, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna, and I'll tell you about that just in a little, in a little bit. But, but again, the other reason why we, we want evangelism is because you, when you participate in all of this, you become wise. You have a full understanding of your faith, finally, been six. And so I, I just, you know, even speaking of Tailgate Sunday, what is that? I, I know a lot of people are like, what? Huh? What is Tailgate Sunday? Well, basically, uh, on the 18th this next week, um, the, the idea is, is really it's just a football-themed Sunday with a big party in the foyer. It's church is normal, but even more fun. Extra food, ex, you know, wear your favorite jersey. Some of you are already getting ahead on this and uh, today. But, you know, really it's just church is normal, but twice as fun. But ultimately, I, I, on Tailgate Sunday, I, I give 
a, a message that is gonna be a great first exposure for your friend who might be skeptical about Christianity. And so if you invite your friend next week, you can rest assured it'll just be a pretty, it, it'll be a fun message for everybody. But we're just trying to make it easy for you to invite your friends and family to, to, to church. And, and maybe, even, maybe even like you have Christian friends who just kind of got out of the habit. Uh, studies have shown that since COVID, 33% of all churchgoers stopped going to church permanently. Um, after COVID, and so I think there's just a lot of people, they're not even against God, they just got out of the habit, and they just need to be invited back, they just need a reset, and so if you know people like that, just drag them, drag them this next week, and, and, and even the ones that you think aren't open, I believe a lot of those people are actually open, it's kinda like me in the nightclub. If you would've looked at me, you would've said, no way is that dude receptive to the gospel. I was desperately receptive to the gospel. I may not have looked it, but you know what, I was way open. So don't, don't judge by outward appearances, just allow God to speak to you about people. I, I, just you know, a couple years ago, I was, you know, when we were launching our, our campus in Maple Grove, our West Side campus, I was overwhelmed by the stats of how many church, unchurched people were in that region, over 600,000 unchurched people in the Northwest Quadrant alone that, that don't go to church. And, and really in the Twin Cities uh, totality, there's two million unchurched people just under 40 alone. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of unchurched people in the Twin Cities and I was kind of overwhelmed by it. In fact, actually, just to put it in perspective, it, imagine this, if every restaurant you see, fast food and, and slow eat restaurant, every restaurant you see, imagine if that was a church of 2,000 people. That wouldn't even be reaching like a fraction of the unchurched population in this city. I mean, do you realize how many churches we need here in the Twin Cities? It's ridiculous. And, and I was overwhelmed by that. Like, God, how are we supposed to reach all these people? And like, the moment I said that, the moment I like prayed that question, how are we supposed to reach all these people? I felt like almost instantly, not an audible voice, but just this impression from the Holy Spirit, Peter, you don't reach all those people. It was like, what? Like, you don't. Like, what do you mean I, I don't? Like, you don't reach all those people, you only reach the ones I've anointed you to reach, is what I sense the Holy Spirit just impress upon my heart. Just this, not an audible voice, but just, you're not supposed to reach everyone. Yeah, you love everyone, but you only reach the ones I've anointed you to reach. And I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Like, uh, all of a sudden, John 6, 44, it was the scripture I had memorized years earlier, and, and it's where Jesus says, no one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws them. No one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Jesus was saying that there's, there's a certain drawing by the Father, and if we're paying attention to the Heavenly Father, we'll know who he is drawing to Jesus. And it, it opened me up to this revelation that I wanna share with you today. Now, one of the things that I do on a regular basis when I'm thinking about my own personal evangelism is, is once a quarter, a couple, every three months, is I'll write a list of all the people that I interact with on a regular basis. And so if for you, you could write down your coworkers, you could write down your fellow students that you might interact with at school, you could, you know, who are your, your family members that you tend to interact with, just your neighbors. Like you make a list of all the people who are in your sphere of influence, okay? These are people that you interact with and, and you might just be the only passionate Christian they know, okay? So keep in mind, you might be the only real ambassador of Christ 
that they have in their life, which kind of begs the question, does your lifestyle represent Jesus well? Uh, hopefully you can say yes to that, okay? That's why, you know, we, the old saying goes, Christians need to be the good news before they share the good news. How do we do that? Just by living generously. I, I, I think about this scripture, Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, if we're not living generously, uh, li- you know, li- if you're out there getting wasted every single week and driving terribly, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, we're probably not the best witness for Christ. And, and, and I, I'm simply saying that not in a condemning way, but hey, we, we need to allow the gospel to get a hold of us first, okay? Now, listen, I, I, you don't have to be a perfect person to share your faith, okay? In fact, actually, the person who led me to Christ was far from perfect, and I, I think most of us, we're led to Christ by imperfect people. But I am saying, ultimately, if, if we're living generously, living a, a lifestyle of servanthood, people are gonna see the Lord more. And, and so what I do is, when I write down my sphere of influence, I write down all the people who I interact with, family members, neighbors, coworkers, casual friends, and then what I do is, is I, so that's, call that your extended family, so to speak, okay? And here's where it gets really fun, okay? Is once I make that list, sometimes, sometimes that, for some of you, that list might be a very small one, a dozen people at, at most. For others of you, you're really extroverted and you have like three dozen people or five dozen and, uh, on that list. Okay, now, what I want you to do is once you make that list, go over that list, look down that list and pray about every person on there and just, just ask this question with which of these people do I feel divine chemistry with, okay? And what does that mean, divine chemistry? I believe that God puts a unique grace on certain relationships in our sphere of influence where God is saying, hey, I'm putting a unique grace on your life to reach that person, okay? So if you've ever felt stressed out about the idea of sharing your faith, perhaps it's because God is not gracing you to reach that person, but he is gracing you to reach that person at that specific moment. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay, now don't misunderstand me. We are called to love all people. But I also believe that God anoints us to reach maybe two or three of that sphere of influence. And so I'm always saying, of this big list of people that I interact with on a regular basis, who are the two or three right now that God is uniquely anointing me to reach? And whenever I pay attention to that, all of a sudden, I really believe that you start walking in favor and you're gonna see just how easy evangelism can be as an example of this, okay? Let me give you an example of this out of Acts chapter 13. The apostle Paul is evangelizing, he's sharing uh, the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles and Luke points out something very, very unique about what was happening when Paul did this. When the Gentiles heard Paul's message, they were glad and they honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. It's this kind of unique statement, all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Now, what does that mean? Now, I I think some Christians kind of interpret this strange. There's There's a lot of Christians who believe that God predestines people to heaven and hell, and, and, and personally, after memorizing thousands of scriptures on the topic, uh, I don't personally believe that God predestines people to heaven or hell. I, I don't believe that that particular scripture is even referring to that, and of course, you're welcome to disagree with me here, and it took me a lot of years to even come to that conclusion, but what I do believe the scripture is actually referring to is a window of openness, I believe that there is a divine window of openness that falls upon certain people at certain times, and when we pay attention to that, 
that they will receive the gospel with, with, with gladness and honor the word of the Lord. I believe that you and I can be a part of that. And, and if you and I are paying attention to what God is doing, like Jesus said in John 5, remember we talked about that, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing? Jesus paying attention to what the Father in heaven is doing. I believe that's what was happening here is Luke is pointing that out is there was something unique. There was a window of openness, okay? And, and if, just let me, let me prove it to you because the very next chapter, the same thing happens Again, check this out, Acts 14. Paul is again ministering again. And and in Acts chapter 14, verse nine, it says something interesting. Paul looked at the man and it says, he saw that he had faith to be healed. Now, whenever I'm reading my Bible, I always pay attention to those unique expressions. He saw that he had faith to be healed. Now, what does faith look like? I don't know, I mean, it's kind of an abstract thing. Most people think faith is an internal thing. Well. I personally believe it was a spiritual knowing. Paul knew in his spirit. He knew, maybe it was just, call it divine chemistry, call it a feeling, but, but, but he was paying attention to the Holy Spirit and he saw that that person had the faith to be healed. And I believe that you and I, if we pay attention to the Father in heaven, John 5, if we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that, that you and I can also get in sync with that divine chemistry. We can know when there is a divine grace on us to reach a certain person. So now with this in mind, let me just, let me, let me further unpack how, how evangelism works for me, okay? So once I make the list of my sphere of influence, I identify the divine chemistry, two or three people that I have divine chemistry with, then I do these three things with them, okay? And here, this is where it gets really practical. If you're a note taker, write some of these down. I start by meeting their needs, and then I pray for them, and then I start building my friendship with them. Now, what, what does that mean? Let me unpack that a little bit more, okay? I start by meeting their needs. Do they have financial needs? If they do, bless them. In fact, my wife and I purposefully have margin in our finances. We, we would always try to set aside maybe 200 to $500 a month that we could use just to bless people. Oh, you need problems with a car repair, let me bless you. Oh, you haven't gone on a vacation with your wife in a long time? Let me bless you with a free vacation. Like we're always looking for people that we can be generous to, why? Because we know that generosity reveals the heart of God, it's who he is. God so loved the world that he what? He gave, and so I wanna model generosity, I wanna model servanthood. Oh, I find out that you, you Oh, your lawnmower broke. Let me bring my lawnmower over to your house and mow your lawn for you. You know what I'm saying? Like practical things, serving people is ultimately what we wanna do. So we start by meeting their needs. If they have relational needs, if they have safety needs, just protecting them, just letting them know, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm those types of things. Find ways to serve people, okay, that's one. Second thing I do for the people that I have divine chemistry with is I start, I start praying for them with, with, with Devotion, okay? I don't mean just praying, like, you know, throwing up a little prayer here and there. I mean, I mean putting aside a couple of minutes a day to pray for them, okay? And I know this is kind of obvious, but the old saying goes, we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Let me say that again. We need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. And why are we doing that? Because we're just praying that the Holy Spirit would just open up conduits of, of conversation so that it will be natural, it won't be awkward, it's not gonna be, it doesn't need to be confrontational, it can just be life-giving. So start praying for people. 
In fact, and if you're wondering how to pray for people, I actually just released a blog today at peterhaas.org on five things that I pray for the people that I have divine chemistry with, okay? And, and I, I'm, so if you wanna know what to pray, what Bible verses to pray over them, just go to peterhaas.org or just Google Peter Haas and prayer target and it should show up somewhere. Um, lastly, the third thing I do is I start building my relationship with them. I just take a little extra time to nurture the relationship. I text them a little extra, call them a little extra, do a little extra coffee meetings. Just, again, create margin in your life. Now, let me just warn you, if you're a really, 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 really busy person, chances are evangelism is never gonna be a high priority for you. And, and I, I'm just, I'm telling you, relationships, they exist in the margins of our lives. And so if you don't have margin in your life, you're, you're not gonna have healthy relationships, and I guarantee you, you're not gonna have evangelism. That's gonna be the first thing to go. And so just, just prune your schedule a little bit. And I know that's a little hard, especially going into the fall, because this is where everybody overcommits to everything. But I, I, I wanna tell you, hey, uh, just, just prune your schedule, prioritize people. And, and let me just add one little caveat, okay? If, this per, if, if when you're praying about these people, who they are, if this is a person who could potentially drag you back into sin, you know what I mean. Um, that's probably not a person you're anointed to reach, right? If you struggle with an addiction and you're going back to a person who is actively pursuing that addiction, that might not be the, the healthiest relationship with you. Some of you are like, doggone it, that's right, I'm gonna go reach my ex-girlfriend, okay? Well, ask your wife first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, okay? Uh, just when Jesus hung out with sinners, he never did it alone, he always went with a team, and so there was kind of a, a group there, okay? I, I believe that, that evangelism is done best with friends. You invite that person into your Christian fellowship, right? So, so if evangelism compromises your own walk with the Lord, it's not God's will. I, I, don't, I just wanted to quick add that little caveat into, uh, for some of you, just to, to take with you. But let me end with this, okay? I, I, many of you guys know that before I became a Christian, I sowed, I spent a lot of years sowing some pretty wild seeds, if I could say it that way. It's the most pleasant way of describing my life outside of the Lord. I had this one childhood friend where um, everything I could have ever done that was naughty, I did with him. You know what I'm saying? First time I ever got drunk, with him. First time I ever did drugs, for, with him, right? And if you could make a list of classic teenage misdemeanors, Every one of them I did with this one particular friend, okay? Now, the reason why I'm talking about that friend is because a few years back, out of nowhere, he started calling me up again wanting to hang out, like, dude, we should hang out. Man, let's get it back together, the old gang, Peter. Let's do it, let's do it. And of course, you know, like, I'm a pastor now. I'm not the same guy I used to be when I hung out with you, and I know that's gonna get a little awkward at some point because that's gonna be apparent. I'm a pastor, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, no, it's old times. It's old Pete coming out to party. Party Pete, right, is who he's expecting. And then if Pastor Peter shows up, how is it gonna be? You know, like, is it gonna be awkward? And, and, and of course, sure enough, we'd hang out and it was awkward, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause he was still doing drugs and he's, every other word was the F-bomb and, 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 and uh, you know, and the fact that I was a pastor didn't stop him from doing any of this. I, it was like, it didn't, you know, even occur to him that, 
you know, whatever. But, and so he kept calling me, wanting to hang out, and I just every single time I, I would almost start to dread the phone call, you know, like, ah, you're like, you're like, how do I shake this guy? I know some of you are like, wow, you're not a very good pastor. But, I, you know, like, I'm just being honest with you. It was my comfort zone. I was feeling uncomfortable. And, of course, one time he, I knew he was going to call me, and I knew I didn't have any excuse about what to do. And then he called me up, and he's like, Pete, what are you doing on Saturday? And uh, I, suddenly I thought of the perfect excuse. You know what it was? I'm going to an early morning men's Bible study at 6 a.m. I mean, who in their right mind wants to get up at 6 a.m. on their day out, right? I thought, this is perfect. This is the perfect way to shake this dude. Like, and, and so I'm like, I'm going to a Bible study at 6 a.m. And I thought, surely this will cause the guy to say, all right, well, that's cool, weird, all right. I'll call me another time, Pete, okay? And against all odds, guess what he said? <gasps> Can I come? <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, what? No. <laughs> you wanna come? Y yeah, you can come. And, and I'm not gonna lie to you, it was the most awkward Bible study of my entire life when he sat there and met all my Christian friends. Oh, party, Pete, let me tell you stories about Pete. You know what we did one time? Oh, but let me tell you about Pete's first girlfriend. It was like, oh, awkward, you know what I'm saying? And of course, at that Bible study, uh, my church announced their big men's retreat conference. Come to the men's retreat, and guess who signed up? What is happening? I, I, like, I, I wanted to stop him and say, hey, time out, time out. You realize there's not gonna be drugs around the campfire, right? I mean, like, and, and, and sure enough, he came. He came, he gave his life to Christ. He even started raising his hands in worship. Like what is happening? And get this, he went back from that men's retreat, he went right back to his hometown, joined a church, started leading a Bible study, and now he's an elder in that church. Okay, now, I, I, the reason why I shared that story with you is because sometimes over the years, my divine chemistry sensor is way off, okay? I, I'm willing to bet there are people in your sphere of influence who you think they could not be further away from God. They're the last person who would ever be interested in an invite to church. But let me tell you something. For a lot of those people, you're dead wrong. They might be more than open. Okay? And yeah, there, a lot of people are more open to God when you know, they're, they're grieving the death of a loved one or they're going through a tough time, but there's a lot of people out there that, 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 hey, you have no idea how God has been prepping them. And if you and I would simply muster the guts to just give them a simple invite, to maybe even just, just live out loud a little bit, just don't hide it is all I'm saying, then you're gonna see God all of a sudden start doing some pretty crazy things with your, your friends your coworkers. I, I had another friend like that. I mean, if I was to like, you know, think of the last person I would ever imagine to accept Christ out of, like I, I graduated with a graduating class of about 330 people. And if I was to pick out of that graduating class, who's the last person I would ever expect to become a Christian, I would have picked this one guy who not only is a Christian today, but he's a pastor today. And I'm sure a lot of my, cl my classmates would probably say the same thing about me. In fact, at our 10-year reunion, they wanted me to pray over it because they all thought that would be entertaining. 
remember Pete, the, you know, nihilistic DJ, chain-smoking, you know, dude, like, oh, he's a pastor now. Wouldn't it be fun to have him pray over our meal? Literally, that's what they were thinking, okay? So I just, I want you to understand there's nobody that is beyond the saving grace of Christ. And I, I really want you to take this serious because I, I, I really believe that God is gonna speak to you even right here and right now, not just about people that you could invite to church, but about people that just need to be invited back to church, that you know that are maybe a little isolated from the mission of God, maybe isolated from the fellowship of the saints who maybe aren't doing so well and could use a little, a little just somebody to help them get out of the ditch, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, I just believe that God is gonna speak to you right now. Would you guys just close your eyes and just let God speak to you. I believe it can be just like a little divine nudge. Call up so-and-so. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's a, a, an immediate family member. Maybe it's a, um, a coworker, a student, a friend, a neighbor. Just, hey, divine chemistry. Where is that divine flow happening right now? I believe the Holy Spirit would have you acknowledge that. And when you do, Acknowledge that divine flow. I'm just telling you, there's grace. There's grace for you. And maybe, maybe you're the person on the other end of this. Maybe you're like me, who you're, you're, you're thinking about this whole God thing and it's still a little strange to you and you've never given your life over to Christ. Maybe you're the person who, who you're in church today and you're like, I, this whole thing, I don't know what I think about it all. Well, hey, listen, you don't have to figure it all out today, but what I would ask you to do is just whatever... Whatever little bit of faith you do have in your heart, just, just take it, just take a step closer to God today. And if you, and to do that, one of the simplest ways is just to, to pray a little prayer with me right here and right now. Just, in fact, could I have everyone join in on a simple little rededication prayer, just wherever you're at, bow your heads, close your eyes, and just repeat this. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me and reveal yourself to me, starting today in Jesus' name name. We pray if you mean that. Just between you and God, say, I mean that. God sees your prayers. He knows what you need. And Heavenly Father, I know you see all the needs amidst all the people all over this auditorium and those watching online. You know what we need. I pray that as we surrender to you in these final moments, that you would just minister to those needs with the overabundant love that you have for each one of us. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you. Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving, and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check in next week for a new message.